Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We're in week two of our series, Viral, a series that is leading us into Easter. Um, the first week, last week, I told you that it's impossible for God to limit his love to one person, one nation, one group of people. It's impossible for God to limit his love. What started as a desire to connect with one man, Abraham, it spread to his family, Isaac and Jacob. Then it spread to the nation of Israel. And eventually it went viral and went around the world. And that affected me. That affects you. Amen? Last week I gave you two definitions of the word viral. The first one was of relating to or caused by a virus. Of relating to or caused by a virus. The second definition that I gave you is somewhat of a newer, a newer definition. It was quickly and widely spread or popularized, especially by means of social media or the internet. Thanks to the internet and social media, there have been a number of videos that have gone viral and they provide us with some quality entertainment. Uh, some of these videos are classics and if you've seen them before, then I want you to, to let out a cheer or something, clap, do something, okay? How about this one? Have you ever seen the evolution of dance video? If you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, a few of you. If you haven't, you need to. This guy's a motivational speaker, somewhat of a comedian, and um, he just takes you on, on this journey of different dance moves, and, and it's fun to watch. Uh, there were 70 million views in under eight months. 70 million views in under eight months. It went viral. Maybe you've seen this one, the, the sneezing baby panda. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah. No? There's only a few of you. You need to go. Go Google this one. This, not during church. Not while I'm preaching. You need to check this one out. The sneezing baby panda is fantastic when that little baby panda sneezes and, uh, and scares the living daylights out of, out of its mother. It's fantastic. Um, this one is very popular. One of my favorites. Charlie bit my finger. Yeah? Okay. All right. So that one's a little bit more popular there. And you got to love it when the younger brother bites the older brother's finger and he says, Charlie bit me. You know, it's great. I love it. And, uh, and this one, I'll never forget this one. Remember, Britain's Got Talent and, uh, and they posted this video. It went viral where this very homely looking 47-year-old Susan Boyle, she auditioned in front of the judges. Simon was there. And um, they had, you could tell by their faces, they have very little hope that she's going to be able to sing. And she sings, I Dreamed a Dream. And it's one of the most beautiful sounds you've ever heard. If you've never watched it, you should go check it out. Because there's nothing, there's nothing like a life-changing viral video. I remember when I was a kid, the chickenpox virus was going around our school. And uh, a number of students were having to stay home battling the chickenpox. I, I remember that even a couple of teachers, one teacher in particular, um, caught the virus and, and had chicken pox. Another one had never had the virus before. And so the principal actually instructed her, stay home, stay home from school. And uh, I remember coming home and, and, and telling my mom that chicken pox it was going around the school and that my mom looked at me and she informed me. She says, you've never had the chicken pox. And then she tells me, she says, since you've never had it, once you have it, you will never have it again. And I thought, well, that's, that's very interesting. And so I got excited about the possibility of catching chicken pox. 
I did. And so, I mean, according to my mom, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? <laughs> so I got excited about it. And uh, so I would come home every day and I would like check. I would check for the little red bumps, you know, the little red dots that would show up with it. And I'd check my arms, check my legs and nothing. I couldn't couldn't see anything. And I remember one of my friends, he was sitting next to me during lunch. And I remember looking over at his arm and he had this little red bump right here. And I'm pretty sure it was a bug bite, but I was hoping it was a chicken pox. And I'm like rubbing my arm on him, you know, I'm like, <laughs> just trying to, to catch the chicken pox because I was so excited about it. And um, once, once I actually um, had the virus and, and, you know, had chicken pox and it broke out on me. I wasn't near as excited after that um, because the, the itching was, was horrible and uh, nearly unbearable, but I survived. I survived. For the purpose of this series, I do not want us to look at the words viral or contagious as a negative. I don't want us to look at those words as, as negatives. Jesus said in Luke 17 and 21, that the kingdom of God is within you. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. And so when you come to the faith and the knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the kingdom of God is in you. You're infected with this. And we've been infected with the love of God. We've caught the virus of God's mercy and God's grace. But too often, instead of being excited about it, there's way too many Christians that they look at it as if it's a burden. Uh, don't get me wrong. We thank God that we've had this life-changing experience with our lives. We recognize that without Jesus Christ, we were on our way to hell. But because of God's grace, we've been saved. We've been pulled from the flames and, and, and eternal punishment because of, of what Christ has done for us. But when it comes to sharing the virus, our faith becomes quarantined. This happens in two ways with two different types of people. The first group of people, these are the people that they have a hard time going public with their faith. There's safety in numbers. And so as long as they're in this room, they're, they're safe. And so they have a hard time once they walk outside of these doors, walk out into what we would call the real world out there. They have a hard time being viral with their faith. They love Jesus. They really do. But they just don't have the courage to display their faith to the world around them. And so what they've done is they've quarantined their faith to Sunday mornings when they are surrounded by others who are also infected with the love of Christ. Ne never shall their Sunday religion and their Monday routine ever meet. Um, they do not desire that their Sunday worship and their, their Monday work collide. They don't want that to happen and when they walk out of these doors, their faith goes into this nice little hazmat box and, and, and it keeps their faith from infecting anyone else outside of this room. The second group of people, they have the same outcome, but they go about it a completely different way. They love Jesus too. They do. They really, honestly, they love Jesus and they've received his love on their life. And because they love Jesus so much, they, they don't want to lose what they have. And so th this causes them to push away and, and, and they isolate themselves from the world to the point that they have very little contact with the people who are not infected with the love of God. And they're just afraid of losing what they have. And so what they do is they, they find a job in, in a morally sound environment. 
uh, to where their faith is never questioned. Uh, their children are, are often isolated from the world. And the only relationships that they have are with other infected people. Here's my concern. It's hard to accomplish the Great Commission if your life is quarantined from unbelievers, from the lost. If your life is so far separated from the lost, it's hard to go and, and make disciples. That's the, the Great Commission. That's what Christ commissioned the church to do. Go and make disciples. Go and be viral. Go and spread this thing. Make more followers in the faith. And it's hard to accomplish that if you're only around Christians all the time. Parents, I want you to listen to me. You're not called to isolate your kids. You are called to equip your kids to share their faith. And your job as a parent is to make them so grounded in their faith and so strong in their faith in Christ that when they are in darkness, they become the light in that darkness. Mandy and I realized that about our kids, and we wanted them so bad to be the light in darkness, not to pull them out of those environments, but to say when you are in those situations, you be the light of Christ in that very dark world. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So at some point, our faith must go viral. If you are a follower of Christ, at some point in your Christian walk, your faith must go viral. And you are the only one in this room, besides God, you are the only one in this room who can answer that. Is my faith viral? Have I allowed my faith to, to infect other people? I want to show you something. Um, Seth, can you join me? Yeah. Who, me? Yeah, just come on up here, man. You got scared just for, I saw panic on your face just for a moment. It's okay. You put your sunglasses on, it makes everybody disappear. <laughs> just, just come right here, man. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. good to see you, man. Scared to death. No, he's, he's okay. He's okay. I'm not going to make you testify, you preach, or whatever. Let me, let me show you. Caleb, come here. Hurry. How you doing? Good, man. It's great hair. Your hair, his sunglasses, winning combination right there. There's a difference between calling and coming. There's a big difference between calling and coming. I did the calling, and they came. They didn't have to. They could have chosen to sit back there. But when I called, they came. And, and here's what happens in the kingdom of God. He always does the calling, and it's up to us to do the coming. He always calls you quicker than you can come because there's a distance between the calling and the coming. Always. There's a distance between the calling and the coming. Let me show you what I mean by that. And this has absolutely nothing to do with your proximity and where you were sitting, okay? Not at all. But when I called, it took him longer to get up here than it did for him to get up here. You notice that, right? 
He was, he was two rows back. He was sitting two rows from the back. Again, this is not a knock on where you're sitting at all. But it has more to do with your spiritual proximity because your spiritual proximity makes a difference. How, how close you are to God in that moment. Because I promise you this, he's calling all of us. Right now in this moment, he's calling all of us to go and to make disciples. The, 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 the question is, how close spiritually am I am in proximity to that? Thank you guys. Give them a hand. Thank you so much. John chapter 1. If you will, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 35 through 50. 35 through 50. A number of verses here. But I think this will explain to us how this thing goes viral. John chapter 1, verse 35. It says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. We used to teach this more frequently around Destiny Community Church. And I've realized that over the past few years, maybe you're not receiving this. And so some of you have come to the faith or come to this church in recent years. Maybe you've never heard me teach this, this one particular section right here. But I just want to throw it out there for you. Because years ago we realize that there are two forms of evangelism. There's two forms of evangelism, winning the loss. The first one, we call it direct evangelism. Direct evangelism is this. It's when you have a personal conversation with someone about their faith or their lack of faith. It's, it's often uncomfortable. It's never easy. No one just looks forward to those conversations. There's very few people on this planet that are wired to, to actually enjoy those moments. There are some, but, but, but it, it is confrontational. 
But man, is it rewarding. When you finally are able to lead someone to Christ, it is very rewarding. The the thought of having that conversation about eternity with someone, it it scares the heaven out of some of you. Literally, it scares the heaven out of you. Because the kingdom of God, it's the farthest thing from your mind when you start thinking about sharing the gospel with an unbeliever because it frightens you so bad. And, And our focus, and during a moment like that, it has to be on those that are lost without the viral love of God. Those people who just don't know Jesus and, and when we see their, their eternities in, in a setting without God and, and with eternal punishment, suddenly our fears should fail in comparison to the need to share our faith. In those moments when we realize their eternity is more important than my fear, that this is a living being that, that if they don't find Jesus Christ, they are going to spend eternity separated from God. They are going to spend eternity burning for sins in their life. But all they have to do is to simply trust Jesus and they have eternal life with him. And so it should. It should cause us to, to cast our fear aside and share our faith because their eternities are, are are in jeopardy here. So that's direct evangelism. Now, something that is, is unique to our church and something that, that, that I love is that we focus also on indirect evangelism, and, and that's inviting people to a special event at church. Maybe it's inviting someone to, to, to come to girls' night out or to come to man up or, or, or come to the golf outing with us. Or maybe, maybe it's, it's the, the Easter extravaganza. You, you have some neighbors that you would love to see them trust Jesus with their lives. And so the doorway into their life and to get them just to, just to taste and see that the Lord is good, the doorway in is just for you to say, hey, why don't you bring your kids to our Easter extravaganza and it opens that door. Or, or maybe, maybe you've got a little bit closer of a relationship with them and you can actually say, hey, why don't you come to one of our four Sunday services? You can invite them to the, the, the sunrise service. Pastor Andrew is going to be preaching our sunrise service at 7 a.m. out at, at the property, and, and we're going to have a good time of worship, the word and communion out there. Or you can invite them to, to one of the three services that will be in this room at, at 8, 9, 30, or 11. And you can say, because you care about them, this through indirect evangelism, you're just saying, come, come and see. Come and, and and, and, and taste what, what we have to offer you and what the kingdom of God has to offer you. You see, indirect evangelism, it, it's non, non-confrontational. The hardest part about it is just getting them here, getting them to come and be a part. But let me ask you this question. If you don't invite them, who will? Are their souls that important to you? Is their eternity that important to you? If you don't invite them, who will? Two of John's disciples are standing with John the Baptist as Jesus walks by and they heard him say, Behold, the Lamb of God. And in their minds in that moment, it begins to click because they've, they've, they've heard the Old Testament prophets, the, the, the stories that they wrote about the coming Messiah, the coming Christ, the one who would redeem Israel. <clears throat> they've heard about that their entire lives. They've heard John talk about the Son of God, 
the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Christ. They've heard him. And now John declares, as this man walks by, behold, the Lamb of God. And I love the fact that they want to follow Jesus. <clears throat> they were disciples of John. But when the Messiah walks by, they decide to leave John and follow Jesus because now the Messiah is here. At some point, people have to make a conscious decision to follow Christ. There comes a point in time in a, in a person's life that they either have to determine I will follow him or I will reject him because you cannot know someone that knows Jesus and then declare that you know him also if you've never met him. And so these disciples, they're like, John, John knows him. John obviously knows him because he's walking by and he declares, behold, there's the Lamb of God. There he goes. Recently, Mandy and I went to a, a concert, a very spiritual night for us. As we went to see Peter Cetera, the former lead singer and bassist of Chicago. And um, you have to understand, we grew up on, on his music, and it's always been a dream of ours to go and see him. And I, I happened to find tickets to an event at a little theater down in, in Lakeland for Mandy and I to go and see Peter Cetera. Maybe you recognize some of his songs. You remember, like, You're the Inspiration? You remember that song? That's, that's Peter Cetera singing on that Chicago song, Hard Habit to Break. Maybe you know this one. If you leave me now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. Everybody, come on. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. You deserve a hand. You're the real MVP there. So Mandy and I get tickets to go see Peter Cetera, the, the voice, one of the greatest voices of soft rock music that I've ever heard. It was fantastic. And so we get there to the theater a little bit early, and, um, and we decide we're going to walk on inside. And so we, we, we go inside the venue, and we're not five steps in to, to the foyer before I hear my, my name being called out. Somebody says, Rocky McKinley. And I'm like, I'm in Lakeland, what? And I look up and there's a ministry colleague, his name's Ray, and, and Ray and his wife are, are sitting on a bench there and he stands up and he comes running over to me and, and we, we shake hands and, and Ray says these words to me. He says, y'all have VIP passes too? You get to go backstage? No, no, we don't. We don't get to go backstage, Ray. Sorry. Thanks for ruining my night. But apparently you do. You do. And his wife says, I don't even want to be here. And you could tell she didn't really want to be there. She'd had a bad day and she said, I don't really want to be here. You should go back there and, and meet Peter Cetera with Ray. I was like, excuse me? She said, why don't you just take my pass and you go back there and meet him? And I said, I can't do that. I can't. And, and Ray said these words. He says, come on, man, go with me. Now, being the wonderful husband that I am, <laughs> I look at my wife and I said, I'm not going to go. I can't, I can't just leave you right here. And Mandy says, 
No. Go ahead. Go. I don't think she got the word go out of her mouth <laughs> before I'm standing backstage in a room waiting on Peter Cetera to walk in and meet all of us. There's about 20 of us back there, and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> And so... And so Ray and I, we get to meet Peter Cetera, and, and the picture is actually kind of funny because Peter Cetera is in the middle, and I'm on one side, Ray's on the other. We kind of look like a couple, and, you know, I'm just like, you're the inspiration, you know, hey. Yeah. It's one thing to meet someone or know someone who has met Peter Cetera. It's another thing, it's completely different when you've actually met the voice from some of my favorite songs from the 70s and 80s. It's just completely different when you've actually been there and you've met that person and you can lay claim, I have met them. We hung out, we had coffee, we had dinner. He calls me every... Okay, I'm stretching the story a little bit. <laughs> Andrew had heard John talk about Jesus. But now Andrew has a chance to be near him. And he drops everything and he just, he makes a beeline for Jesus to the point that Jesus has to turn around and say, what do you want? Not only did Andrew get to be near Jesus, he was so excited about being near Jesus that he brings his brother Simon Peter along too so that he can meet Jesus. Come and see. Come and see what, who this is. This is the Messiah. Come here and be a part of this. The next day, the Bible says that Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And, and Philip, he can't keep it to himself. There's something about when you have an encounter with Christ that you can't keep it to yourself. How many times do we see people in Scripture be healed and Jesus has to tell them, now don't tell anyone. Numerous times he says, don't tell anyone. Because every time you encounter Christ, if you get it, man, if it really stirs something up inside of you, you've got to go and you've got to share it with someone and you have no choice but for it to become viral in your life. And Philip, Jesus commands him, come, follow me. And Philip can't keep it to himself. And so he goes and he tells Nathaniel, he says, come and see, come and see. Come and see this guy. You've got to meet him. And Nathaniel, then he gets to meet Jesus. And sometimes, church, all it takes to become contagious is just the invite, just telling someone, come and see. Come and see. Come experience this for yourself. Because eternity is way too important for us to leave them without Christ. And so... Who is it in your world? Who is it in your life that needs to meet Jesus? Who do you need to look at and say, come and see? Come, come and see this. You, you don't want to miss this. You need to come see this. Is it your mother? Is it your father? Is it your coworker? Is it your friend? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? Is it your brother? Is it your sister? Is it your father-in-law? All father-in-laws need Jesus. All of them. Especially mine. Is it your children? Mom, dad, is it your grown children? Do you need to get up the courage to say to them, come and see? Come experience this? They just need to come and see. 
And here we give you that opportunity to invite them. Invite them to Easter. Start now. Start now telling them, we want you to be with us on Easter. Come worship with us. Tell them. Tell them all about our music. Yeah, they will not walk out of this room disappointed with our music. I prompt, They may walk out disappointed with the sermon I preach, but they will never walk out disappointed with the music. But I promise you this. On that Sunday, they will hear an evangelistic message. That they will hear someone, me, someone, give them the opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. They will have that opportunity. Romans 10 and 14 says, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are, are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Romans 10 and 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. If you want them, to build their faith, if you want them to put their faith in Christ, then they've got to hear the good news about Jesus. And so you are the only one that can do the self-evaluation. Are you infected with the love of God? Because if you are, it must go viral. It's time that the church becomes contagious. We've become so caught up in our, our, our political agendas that we have forgotten the most important thing on this planet is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if we put half as much effort into the gospel of Christ as we do our own public opinions? There's a difference between having a few symptoms and being fully infected. We don't need Christians with a low-grade fever and a headache. I, I, we do more harm than good because time is too short, eternity is too long for you to have a 24-hour virus of the love of God. That's not what the kingdom needs. 2 Timothy 3 and 5 says, They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. That's not talking about the lost. That's talking about those that claim to be a part of the faith. They will act religious, but they will deny the power thereof. We need Christians that are going up, burning up, and throwing up. That's what we need. You need to be so infected that you cannot contain it inside of you. The kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven needs you coughing and sneezing and infecting everyone around you with it. I, I'm, I'm telling you, you, when you walk into a room, you need to be snotting all over everybody in that room. The love of God needs to be just pouring out of you and, and, and every part about you. We've become too nice nasty with the gospel is what it is. We're so worried about offending someone when all we have to do is say, look what God has done in my life and I want this for your life too. Come and see. Come and see. And infect them with the, the love of God. The spread of Christianity is messy. It always has been. It's always been messy. What started as a small community of disciples gathered around a Jewish rabbi from Nazareth, it, it grew to roughly 30 million followers by 350 AD. In just over 300 years, 30 million followers. It was the dominant religion of the Roman Empire. You, you understand how, how contrasting that is, right? It became the dominant religion of the Roman Empire, the very ones who crucified the founder of this religion. It was so contagious they could not deny it. 
And through the known world, it becomes the religion. And now it has grown to what they tell me is over 2 billion people around this planet. Christianity, it is the largest religion because it's more than a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And once it infected some early believers, they had no choice but to infect others. What was this catalyst? What, what caused this? What caused Christianity to go viral? And, and I believe that the answer is, is very simple, but it's hard to walk out. They simply followed in the footsteps of their leader. Because Jesus was willing to die so that others may live. And the early church, they were willing to do the exact same thing. They were willing to die for their faith so that others would catch hold of it and, and, and they could live. And they watched Christ do this and they said, if he did that, we can do it too. And they were crucified. One was crucified upside down. They were stoned to death. They were burned alive. They were willing to pay the price so that other people could live. So other people could find eternal life because that's what they saw Jesus do. And yet he calls most of us, if not all of us in this room, he calls us not to die for him, but to simply live for him. In closing, there's this great scene from a very mediocre movie from 1995 called Outbreak. And in this movie Outbreak, there's a scene where there's this man that towards the beginning of the movie, he, he goes into a movie theater with his with his girlfriend and as they're sitting down and watching the movie you can tell by the look on his face that there's something that's overtaking him physically he's got a virus he's got sweat starting to form on his head he looks awful and and the man coughs and when he coughs you see the spit particles float out of his mouth and other people start breathing it in they have no idea that they're being infected at all but but they start breathing it in. He gets up out of his seat to go get some water, and he's, he's struggling to make it to the snack bar. And as he's walking by, he's coughing, and, and people have their popcorn, and they're like, ugh. And, and he falls right in front of the counter, and, and that's it. He's a goner. But he was infecting everybody else. Later on in the movie, there's another scene where the audience gets to see this map of the United States. And the government is trying to figure out how to contain this virus. If, if we can just contain it to, to one area, if we can find where it's at and, and maybe just wipe out all the people, we can contain this virus. And Donald Sutherland's character, he, he begins to explain to this room full of officials how this thing is, is spreading. And it starts on the coast, and there's these little red dots on the coast of the United States. And as the virus begins to spread, he says, here's what it will look like in 12 hours. Here's what it will look like in 24 hours. And in 48 hours, the entire country is covered with these red dots. It's, it's solid red. Imagine what happens. When you get a church fired up to be viral, contagious Christians, and all that they care about is coughing and sneezing and snotting on humanity with the love of God. You want to talk about changing a community? You can change the spiritual climate in a community if the church would just become viral. You could change the spiritual climate of a county 
if a church our size just becomes viral of a state of a nation across the street and all around the world if the church just becomes viral what we have is way too important to humanity than for us to hoard it up and for us to quarantine our faith so that it does not infect anyone else no church that's not what he's called us to do you see the end game is not just your salvation Christ made this plain that's part of it but he said go and make disciples go and infect others with this love that I have for you that's the end game too many Christians just don't get that thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC for service times and directions log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org Thanks again for listening.